Well, good morning, everybody. If we haven't met before, my name is Ryan. I've got the privilege of being one of the pastors of the church here. And we are live here from the Elam building. When we uh, stopped doing this to meet live back in person, I didn't think we'd be doing it again. But uh, we're thankful that we still are able to, uh, to join together online uh, and to be able to communicate God's message uh, today. And so uh, just really excited to be able to share with you. Uh, and obviously, we know it's uh, it's not desirable. This isn't business as usual. Uh, but we still believe that God wants to speak to each one of us. Uh, and so we want to go into today with an open heart and an, uh, an open mind. Um, and I know even from my own experiences of, uh, of watching church and watching conferences and all that sort of stuff uh, online, that it's really difficult sometimes to be able to, to keep engaged, even when uh, uh, we're watching uh, a high octane, a uh, high action fuel film. We know that it's, uh, it's still difficult uh, to sometimes keep engaged for a long amount of, uh, of time. And it's really easy for us to continue to check Facebook and Instagram. Uh, and so maybe at this moment, you want to pause uh, the, the live stream. You want to grab a notebook and take notes because trust me, uh, that's, uh, that's uh, helpful. And so currently we're working through our Acts campaign. Uh, and today we're going to look at an event that spans over a couple of chapters in Acts 14 and 15. Uh, and so the timing uh, of these uh, verses, we have to uh, know this happens during the missionary, the first missionary journey of Paul and Barnabas. It was their first one. And they traveled through a few different countries. And so by this point uh, uh, in Acts 14 and 15, they they were leaving from a place called Antioch, which is in Syria. And they were traveling to Cyprus and then they moved uh, along and they sailed to Asia Minor, which is what's called in the Bible, which is modern day Turkey. Uh, and then they eventually headed back and they found themselves again in Antioch in Syria, where they left off. Paul and Barnabas almost had this tradition when they were going somewhere, they were preaching the gospel, they were seeing loads of people come to know God and follow him, and then they would leave to go and spread the message of God in the next place. Uh, and what, was, uh, what they often did is they turned around and on their way back, they went and visited all the places that they had just been to encourage, equip and refresh those people who had just started to follow Christ. They didn't just want to see them converted to the faith, but they also wanted to make sure uh, uh, that they were getting on okay, that they were growing, that they were being nurtured, that the people who were in charge of the churches that they had just started were were, were getting on okay. And so they did this in this first missionary journey. And they journeyed back to Antioch in Syria at a time where uh, people, uh, they, they had come, they'd come to Antioch and people had started to teach uh, a kind of skewed theology, a skewed teaching after they left. Uh, and what we also have to remember that in Acts 14 and 15, that there's like a real cultural moment happening uh, uh, that where the earliest Jewish Christians were facing in the reality that the gospel wasn't just for them, that these like Gentiles, uh, and basically that was anyone who didn't have a Jewish upbringing, who wasn't classed as a Jew, uh, that these Gentiles had access to the same faith as they did. 
<coughs> and so the Gentiles were coming to the faith, uh, knowing, uh, not knowing what was appropriate, what was the appropriate parts of the Jewish faith that they needed to follow. And so we're going to read from Acts 15 together. And we are reading 21 verses. So please stay with me, stay locked in. <coughs> My apologies. So Acts 15, uh, verse 1 onwards, says these words. Certain people came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the believers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. This brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed along with some of the other believers to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. The church sent them on their way as they traveled through Phoenicia and Samaria. They told how the Gentiles had been converted. This news made the believers very glad. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and elders to whom they reported everything God had done through them. Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. The apostles and the elders met to discuss this, to consider this question. After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago, God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving them the Holy Spirit to them. And he did this to us. He did not discriminate between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you put to test God by putting on the necks of the Gentiles a yoke that neither, uh, neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? No, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved just as they are. Then the whole assembly became silent and listened to Barnabas and Paul telling about the signs and the wonders that God had done among the Gentiles through them. When they finished, James spoke up. Brothers, he said, listen to me. Simon has described to us how God first intervened to choose a people from his name among the Gentiles. The words of the prophets are in agreement with this as it is written. After this, I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent. Its ruins I will rebuild and I will restore it. Then the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even the Gentiles who bear my name, says the Lord, who does these things, things known from long ago. It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we should write to them, tell them to abstain from food polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from the meat of strangled animals and from blood. For the law of Moses has been preached in every city from the earliest of times and it is read in the synagogues in every Sabbath. And may God bless the reading of his word. Well done. If you've stuck with me from all of those verses, if you found that you've just kind of uh, got lost and you were, you were in a bit of a daze, then take time to pause this video right now. Pause the live stream uh, and read those 21 verses. It's really important that you do so. 
Uh, and so when I was preparing this message, when I was reading through the book of Acts and, and seeing what, uh, uh, what did I think God was speaking to me about, there was three things that within this story that actually really stuck out to me. Something, these three things that I think we can all learn from and put into practice, not just within our own lives, but for us as a church family too. So the first thing that I think that we can be, uh, uh, we can be mindful of, that we can look at, one of the things that we can learn on, is to be careful who we are listening to. We know that never has it been easier for, to listen to Christian teachings. And I don't know about how you used to do it here at Elim Northampton. Uh, I've been around for 18 months now. Um, uh, but at my home church, when I first started to go to that church in 2009, when I became a Christian, uh, they used to sell tapes of the sermons at the welcome desk. That's right, you heard it. In 2009, they were selling tapes. Now, some of you don't even know what a cassette tape is. But uh, the interesting thing is today, you can be here at church at Elim Northampton. You can then go and be at church in LA, in Brisbane, and at Seoul uh, in Korea, all, at, uh, all in one Sunday. You can, uh, you can even just click on YouTube and find a plethora of people, a plethora of opinions and a plethora of teaching that you have access to. And so knowing this, it's so vital that we keep a check on what we are listening to. We know that we have to actually protect our hearts uh, because what we let in will eventually come out. And in the story here in Acts, we have some, some zealous Jewish Christians pushing their viewpoint on these Gentile, these non-Jewish converts to Christianity. They're shouting that if you come to faith, you have to follow the Jewish practices on circumcision. Uh, uh, and it was causing division within the church. And we have to remember that the New Testament wasn't even written yet that the early church, they didn't even have their own Bibles uh, or have the ability to even read the scriptures like we do. A Pharisee or a religious leader would sit at the front and read out the Bible uh, uh, for their church services. Uh, uh, and we see Jesus actually do this in Luke 4, which you can read uh, for, uh, in your own pleasure. And so these good people who had come to the faith, some of them knowing nothing uh, uh, about uh, Judaism, uh, had to almost be like spoon-fed information. And so we have such an advantage to get to know God in this day and age because we have our own Bibles and we have the ability to read and hear from God from these very pages. And so, yes, listening to worship songs is great. Watching your favorite celebrity pastor preach an encouraging sermon is great. But my friends, these do not replace the word of God. Your friends, even people in the church, the YouTuber that you listen to who has no theological training may not be the best person to listen to. Yes, my friends, they have their place, but they are not the word of God. Just like in this story, there is going to be people who want to push their agenda on your faith. And sometimes uh, uh, that may even happen. They may be trying to help you uh, and they may have the best intentions. These people who were saying that the, the, the Gentiles must uh, be circumcised, they may have even had the best intentions because they're thinking we want to honour God the best way. 
but they may not be right. Uh, we're told in a number of places in the Bible that we need to be wary of people who bring a false message. Our first point is that we need to be careful who we are listening to. Careful of what voices we are allowing to input into our lives. It's so vital that we are careful. Number two then, is that we need to be mindful of how we are welcoming people. We entered a time in this world where if someone comes to faith, there is a greater chance than ever that they will be coming to faith without a pre-existing knowledge of the Christian faith. Now, I was born in the 80s, the late 80s, I'll have to say, and I went to primary school every day, much like people in my generation and the generations before, and we would sing Christian songs, even though I didn't go to a Church of England school. I went to a state primary school, uh, and so we used to sing, he's got the whole world in his hands. Do you know, we we sung that every assembly, Uh, and so even though I had no Christian upbringing whatsoever, there was still an underlying, maybe even subconscious knowledge uh, uh, or like a base level in my system about who this Jesus guy was, about who God was. But my friends, the generation below me, people who come from different countries to live here, they may not have a similar uh, kind of base knowledge that Jesus, you and I may do. Um, But also I was a generation or two too late where we didn't go to church in my family growing up. My parents weren't Christians. Whereas generations before, pretty much everyone went to church and it was the done thing. It was what everyone did, regardless of whether they had a personal faith or not. Uh, And so people, my friends, are going to be coming to the Christian faith. They're going to come to know who Jesus is. We declare that in the name of Jesus, but they come with a different, maybe moral compass than us, or maybe a different outlook, a cultural output. Um, uh, And they have different, completely different experiences to you uh, uh, or I. And we have to be ready, my friends, to accept people exactly as they are. It's completely unreasonable to expect people when they come to church to fit into like a cookie cutter shape where everybody's the same and everybody acts the same. And so there is a thin line that we must carefully tread here. We categorically do not want people walking around when they become Christians in a lifestyle that doesn't honor God. Uh, we, we're going to talk about that more and expand on that in a second. We don't want people to come to the faith and continue in behavioral patterns or routines that don't harbor their growth. But we must not add things on to people's lives that make it harder for them to come to know God for who he really is and to integrate them into the life of the church. A reminder that Peter says in Acts 15, he says these words, Now, why do you put to test God by putting on the necks of the Gentiles a yoke that neither we or our ancestors have been able to bear? Uh, A yoke, my friends, is is what they used to pull on like bulls and cows and it went round their neck to, to drive them along and the weight of it would have been really weighty. And it says, no, we believe it is through the grace of our 
Lord Jesus that we are saved. Just as they are going on, uh, and so just as they are going on later, uh, it, um, uh, it, is my, it, says, it is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. That's a really interesting sentence. We should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. See, in 2009, when I was uh, in the process of weighing up the evidence to whether I believed God was real or not, I was so fortunate that I had a nurturing group of Christians around me that weren't judging me for the lifestyle that I led. And so I was living in Cyprus at the time in a place called Ayanapa. It's a party capital of the world. Uh, and so I was there in, for a few summers when I was kind of 20 and 21 and so on. Uh, uh, and I was there and my main goal for being in Cyprus, and you've got to remember, I wasn't a Christian, no Christian upbringing at, at all. Uh, and so I was living in Cyprus. My main goal for being over there was to drink as much as possible, to be as promiscuous as possible and to have as much fun as possible. And so when I said I wanted to go to church for the first time, these missionaries who were there helping me discover about Jesus said, sure, come along, we'll pick you up on Sunday morning. And so we drove the 45 minutes from Ayanapa uh, to, to Nicosia, which is the capital of Cyprus. Uh, and I, from, from the church there, New Life International Church, I got such a beautifully warm welcome. And you know what? It didn't matter what I was wearing. Uh, it, it didn't matter that I nipped out for a cigarette just before the service. Uh, it didn't matter what I got up to the night before or the language that I brought when I came in. Because, my friends, it mattered to them that I was there. And it mattered to them that I was on a journey of discovering God and discovering who I was in God. My friends, there was no judgment for me or the life I was living it was just love that I received. And we want to be a church family. We want our church family to be one that welcomes people no matter what stage of life they are in. People can come messy because it's the people that matter. And so, my friends, let's not make it difficult for those who are in the process of coming to faith or who have just come to faith. It, my friends, is God that transforms. It is God who corrects and it is God who convicts. Um, uh, and so I have a personal, again, a personal experience from that time in my life. And so it was the 2nd of July, 2009, where I was on my knees in my studio apartment, uh, uh, where I gave my life to Christ. And I felt it was the call of God that says to me, if you're going to do this, you're going to do it properly. And I knew in that moment what God was calling me to do, and that was to give up the way that I was living and to follow him with everything that I had. It was to give up going out and getting drunk every single night. It was to give up uh, sleeping, with, uh, sleeping, with, sleeping with women. It was to, to give up the desire to have my fulfillment be number one in my life. Uh, and it was God's job to speak to me about that. It wasn't man's job. Uh, and Jesus in Luke 11, uh, he actually rejects the Pharisees, the religious leaders' religiosity. And he pretty much says to them, you know, you give your tithe. Uh, you do that religious bit, but you neglect justice, which is the important bit. 
And we need to check our hearts constantly that we aren't caught up so much in the religious traditions of church life that we forget about the important part of what we're doing. Uh, And it's that people come to know him. It's people come to know God in a real and relevant way. Even if, my friends, that poses a threat to our cultural norm, the how we do things round here mentality. Uh, uh, we believe that people uh, will be coming from significantly different walks of life than we may have experienced. But we want to have them welcomed in our church. Uh, And so actually that leads us really well into our third and final point. And it's actually something that we hold almost in tension uh, with point two, but actually it also works really well holding them hand in hand, holding them in hand together. And it's number three, be committed to the simple things. Peter, right after saying that we shouldn't put a yoke on anyone, um, uh, then it says that we should write to them, telling them these things to abstain from food polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from meat, uh, uh, from the meat of strangled animals and from uh, eating or drinking of blood. It says, uh, for the law of Moses has been preached in every city from the earliest times read in the synagogues of every Sabbath. And so let's look at what he told people about. And we have to think that, that people, when they travel to places like um, uh, to Corinth and to Antioch and uh, in all of Asia Minor, that these people had a wildly different way of living uh, uh, of what was expected someone from a Jewish uh, and then a, a, a Christian kind of religion um, where uh, you just have to read the context of the book of, uh, of Corinthians, one or two Corinthians, to realize the kind of life that people were giving up in order to follow Jesus. Uh, and so he says these things. He says, don't eat meat offered to idols. Stay away from sexual immorality. Don't eat meat from strangled animals and don't eat or drink blood. And my friends, these four things pretty much boil down to, to this one thing. And it was all about honoring God. Uh, But why did the disciples choose these four things? Why did they say these are the four things when you come to faith that you should concentrate on? Why didn't he say, just follow the Ten Commandments? Why didn't he say, uh, uh, you know, uh, follow the Mosaic law? That is the best way to do it, uh, which was pretty much when, G- when Moses went up to the Tap on Mount Sinai and he came down with the tablets and the Ten Commandments and that was where we get some of the early books of the Bible, Leviticus, Deuteronomy um, and so on. Uh, for thousands of years, the Jewish people have tried to follow these guidelines that were in those books. Uh, that were in the, what we call the Mosaic Law. Uh, and my friends, we now know, don't we, uh, after these past 18 months or so, we know how hard it is to follow guidelines. Uh, we know that even people who put guidelines in place can't even follow the guidelines. Uh, uh, and so it's, it's, so, uh, it's so difficult for, 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 for the Jewish people. And, and Simon Peter even says, we have not been able to follow. Why should we get people to follow these rules when we haven't even been able to follow them ourselves? Uh, the, the people that haven't had the upbringing, uh, people that haven't been able to follow the rules forever. Um, he's, he's basically he's, he's saying, instead, let's give them these four staples to try and follow. These are the most important things a new believer should follow. Um, 
uh, don't eat food to idols, the meat from strangled animals, don't eat, drink, eat or drink blood and stay away from sexuality. Uh, but were these, were these just cultural traditions? Uh, uh, was it easier to, if people who were from a Gentile background and a Jewish background, if they didn't do those things, was it easier for them to have like table fellowship and meet together? Well, there's some really interesting thoughts on this. Um, uh, 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 it's actually these four things we can find uh, in the book of Genesis, which uh, if you know your Bible, that's the first book in the Bible. So these four things are found in there and it predates everything that was uh, in the Mosaic law. So the, from, from when Moses came down off the, the mountain. So it was before the Leviticus and Deuteronomy. It was before the Ten Commandments and all that. And so we see in Genesis 9, for example, that strictly forbids the eating of animals with the lifeblood in it because God knew in his wisdom uh, uh, that the lifeblood is the most important part of us. Without, without blood, without in us, we can't survive. In Genesis 2, we see the context for sexual relations comes from within the marriage union. Idolatry is forbidden throughout scripture and we see that the fall narrative in Genesis 3 is basically about mankind wanting to have uh, knowledge as its idol, wanting to know both good and evil and being like God in the process. Again, these four things are all about honouring God. My friends, we must do the simple stuff in our faith. If we want to progress to the more harder to understand things, you know, you can, uh, uh, you can learn about the eschat uh, eschatology in the Old Testament. You can talk about second heavens and the doctrines of Missio Dei and all this sort of stuff. But what good is that knowledge if we don't honour God with our lives? We need to designate our efforts to honouring God in the purest and the simplest form and to make that thing we commit to above all else. Honouring God with your life, your time, your energy, your finances, your decisions and everything else. Do that. Start simply. And when we start from that simple place, then we can grow. That's what the disciples were doing here with the early believers. But a word of caution, because if there is people, I'll say that again, when there is people that come into our church brand new into the Christian faith, when we give them a warm, uh, 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 a warm welcome, a welcome of love and a, a, uh, give them a place where they can belong, when we say to them, when we have the opportunity to, to speak into their lives and say, this is how we are honouring God, we ourselves need to be honouring God first. We need to be practising what we're preaching in every way that we can. I'll leave you with one final illustration. Here, uh, about six months after I was a Christian, I'd got myself involved in a life group uh, uh, and it was just the most formative time of my Christian journey. Some of these people are still my friends 12 years later, my best friends now. Um, and I remember one night, and again, I was, I was still a brand new Christian. I'd, I'd read the Bible by this point, uh, but again, it's like learning and growing is a process. And I remember being in a life group one night and being so excited because I had a date coming up. And they were talking to me uh, about who this girl was. And someone says, are they a Christian? 
uh, and I explained that she wasn't a Christian. And then there was a process where a couple of people really gently spoke to me and said that that may not be the best thing for me. Uh, but the reason why they were able to speak into my life, because they spoke to me out of relationship. They spoke to me gently and they spoke to me out of love. There wasn't a rebuke of get out of this group. You're going to be going out with a non-Christian. And I believe that there is a place for us to offer people a really warm welcome and to help them grow. These things, there may be tension, but they do go hand in hand, but they're built out of relationship. They're built of love and respect. And so as people come into our church, we want to offer them that place where they feel so loved, so longed for, that they, we are just so happy that they are with us. And then we enter a journey with them. A journey that will see them grow from one rate of glory to the next. A journey that will see them becoming fully on fire, sold out for Jesus, followers of him. That will happen, my friends. But we want to follow the caution and the wise advice that we see from Acts 15. Thank you so much for listening with us. Let me pray before we have one final song. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to join together. And we pray in the name of Jesus that, uh, that we follow those three things that we see from this chapter, that we are careful who we are listening to. We are letting your word amongst anything else speak into our life the loudest. Let your word be the thing that forms us, not anything that man says. And then, uh, Father, we thank you that uh, we have the opportunity to be part of a community that welcomes people, no matter what stage of life they're in, where they're from, what their upbringing is, what they look like, that they would be able to come to know you through our family. And then we also pray that we have the opportunity to do the simple things, to honour you with our life. And we know that encompasses all of our lives. But we pray that we are committed to honouring you, even in the simplest of ways, knowing that when we do that, we become faith-filled Christians of integrity, that we live out our faith earnestly and honestly and just give you our everything. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, again, thank you so much for listening. We are just going to close our service with one final song. So even if you're at home now, I would encourage you to stand and sing and give your everything at this moment. Thank you so much for listening and God bless you. If you need anything, we look forward to hearing from you. Thank you so much.